Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce in the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. I'll tell you what, I just got back from a wonderful trip to Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska, and the fishing was in Fuego. That would be on fire for those of you who don't speak Spanish. Little phrase I picked up from a Brad Paisley video about bass fishing, by the way. But getting back to Alaska, oh my goodness, my best friend Rusty Johnson and I, we brought home about 110 pounds of fish. We brought back halibut, we brought back salmon, and we brought back true cod. It was just fantastic. And we fished with the best shipmates on our boat. And our captain, Captain Steve Helton, along with his deckhand Paul, they were fantastic. It was a ton of fun. The hospitality and the customer service, as always, was first rate. And I can't wait to go back again next summer. If you want to find out yourself about booking a trip at Alaska's Best Lodge, just go to the Sportsman's Cove Lodge website. You'll find it at alaskasbestlodge.com. This week on the show, we've got some great guests for you. As always, Bob Loomis will be joining us for an extended Max Minute, but in addition to that, we'll be catching up with Roger Phillips with the Idaho Department of Fish and Game, who's got some fishing reports for us from the state of Idaho, as well as some stories about conservation when it comes to both pelicans and beavers, which includes a great story about how the Idaho Department of Fish and Game actually parachuted beavers into the wilderness back in the 1940s to go ahead and rewild an area that needed a beaver population. Another guest we'll talk to today is Brooks Hansen with Camp Chef because they have got a fantastic deal on their striker stoves. These are lightweight backpacking or backcountry stoves. They're multi-fuel stoves. And if you are looking for the deal of a lifetime, you'll want to hear about the Save 95 promo they've got going going on right now. Another guest we'll be talking to today is Lan Tawney. He is the president and CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, an organization that is all about preserving our right to have access to our public lands. And he's leaving, I'm sorry to say, after 10 years at the helm of this organization. We'll talk to him about why he's leaving and about some of the accomplishments that he and his staff have been able to implement during his 10-year tenure. In addition to this, I've been getting quite a few queries and emails about my continuing experience with CenturyLink, trying to get a working phone line for my studio and home. And yes, the saga continues. We'll update you on that. And of course, we've got your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, where you get the chance to win a $25 gift card from America's Premier Outfitter. So let's get things started, as we always do, with another edition of Sportsman Spotlight with David Sparks. Getting your bull to come in with a bugle or a cow call. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Elk hunters, here's a question. If you're wanting to get a nice big bull, what do you use, a cow call or a bugle? The answer, in the minds of a lot of my hunter friends, is both. A cow call does not threaten the bull. If you can get a bull to answer with a cow call, and he's aggressive and loves what he hears, then that probably is what you should stay with. Sometimes you can get a bull going with a cow call. They'll answer, 
but then they'll just hang. In those circumstances, you might try going with a bugle. It's challenging, it's aggressive, it's obnoxious, it's in his face, and he doesn't want to hear it. You might try a high-pitched, non-threatening bugle, which can be very aggravating to the bull that you're looking for. Listen to this. Very important not to intimidate, just to aggravate and challenge. I asked Brandon Lobo what his preference was. He gave me a suggestion as well as a note of caution. That would be like a bugle, and that takes a mouth read, and that takes a lot of practice. That takes practice because once you're on the field, you have to just do it instinctively. You know, you can't screw up once. If you screw up once, well, generally they're going to know it's not real, you know. So you can look up plenty of YouTube videos on saying, you know, how to run a mouth read for a bugle elk and, and all that kind of stuff. Brandon's right. I checked on YouTube, and there are tons of videos. Children hold the promise and dreams of America. It's their world, not ours. Yet precious lives are in danger from child predators and traffickers, and not a whisper is heard. This must end. You can help. Get in the fight. Let's end child exploitation and trafficking. The time to strike is now. Help end the war on children by visiting americasfuture.net. For over 40 years, the Ag Information Network has been providing news and information for the most important industry in the world, agriculture. The Ag Information Network gives you worldwide updates from local producers to regional organizations, from major crops like wheat and corn to animal agriculture to specialty crops like apples, almonds, and cherries. We report on stories that mean the most to you. Online at aginfo.net, the Ag Information Network, trusted and transparent journalism lasting for the next generation. Hope you enjoyed Sportsman Spotlight. I'm David Sparks. See you next time. The two-burner camp stove has evolved, and today's line of portable camp stoves from Camp Chef have come a long way from your father's propane stove, featuring matchless ignition, more cooking power, and in some cases a built-in grill or extra burner. And you've got what you need to whip up some great grub in the field. Look for the complete line of Mountain Series stoves at your local sporting goods store. Camp Chef, the way to cook outdoors. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. It's time for our monthly check-in with the Idaho Department of Fish and Game because there's always a lot going on in the Gem State. With us here again is Roger Phillips, the Public Information Supervisor for IDFG. Roger, great to have you back on the show. Thanks, John. Great to be here. As usual, your office has issued a number of very interesting press releases, and I Guess we'll start off with a fishing report from Dvorak Reservoir, where I understand the kokanee are not only on the bite, but they're bigger than last year, too. Yeah, you know, we had some really small fish last year, and so we're going to take this as a glass-half-full situation. You know, we're having a pretty good kokanee bite up there. Those fish are still fairly modest-sized. They're running in kind of the 8- to 10-inch range, but this is where we get into the, you know, it's always sunny they were about seven and a half inches last year. So they're bigger than last year, but they're still biting pretty well. So we're going to take that as a win. And, you know, folks will have plenty of opportunities to go out and catch those this summer. Are they still catching lots of those big smallmouth bass at Dwarshack Reservoir that have been feeding on these small kokanee? 
I have not heard a current report, but I can tell you when we have lots of kokanee, we have lots of large smallmouth bass. So I, there's no reason why that wouldn't continue. They're out there. I don't know if people are catching them or not. That's my short, honest answer. Let's head north into the panhandle of Idaho and talk about Lake Ponderé, where I understand there's quite a few walleye available for anglers to catch. Yeah, this is a really interesting one and kind of a unique way to to manage fisheries with our walleye because, A, plain and simple, we don't want them there. But they keep coming downstream and we're not going to be able to stop them. So what we've done there is we go out and trap a bunch of those walleyes and then put radio tags on them where we can monitor their location. And then we share that locations with anglers so they can go out and catch them because people do enjoy catching them. And, you know, that helps us to keep those populations down. And not only that, some of those fish have reward tags. So if they catch and kill those fish, they can turn in the heads. They keep the fillets. And they can win up to $1,000 from those tags. And we have had several anglers win $1,000 reward tags this year. So kind of a cool deal for anglers. You know, they do enjoy walleye fishing. We want fewer walleyes, or at least the minimum we want to keep them where they're at. And they get a chance to win some money. So let's kind of call that a lose-win-win. I'm guessing you're taking these fish and tracking them in the lake so you can figure out where they're congregating and then you can place gillnets there and catch them in greater abundance? Yeah, we are still doing some, you know, removals of fish too by net. So it's not only anglers that we're relying on, but boy, anglers sure help us out there. Okay, our next stop is near Salmon, Idaho. That's where you'll find Williams Lake. It's known for having a very good rainbow trout fishery there, but I understand there's been some concern that the bridge lip suckers that are there might be causing harm to the fishery, and your agency has launched a study to figure out if that's true. Yeah, you know, this is part of what we do as fish managers, and yeah, Williams Lake is a nice kind of a tucked away, sort of not officially a trophy lake, but when you have an average size of 16-inch rainbows in there, let's just call it a trophy lake. And up in the mountains, really a, a beautiful lake. And anyway, we see these uh, bridgelet sucker populations in our surveys kind of creeping up. And, you know, a, a lake can only support so many mouths. So we're watching that one carefully and doing some surveys to see if that's affecting the rainbow population. Currently, it's not. So we're at kind of a monitor situation. But if we see our suckers coming up, the rainbow's going down, then that's another one where we go in and do something about that to keep that rainbow population healthy. Let's turn our attention from fish to mammals, specifically to beavers. This is kind of a two-part story, and it starts back in 1948. That's when McCall was being developed. There was a lot of beavers in the area, and they wanted to get rid of those beavers. So the Idaho Department of Fish and Game came up with a very novel method for relocating those beavers. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? Well, you know, some of our guys got the brilliant idea to parachute beavers in boxes. We didn't have little beaver harnesses, but they were in wooden boxes. They parachuted them into the Frank Church wilderness, and when they hit the ground, those boxes popped open, those beavers took off, and we actually filmed it. And this is a little history for you, but decades later, we found that footage, and now parachuting beavers have become a cottage industry. And just a really unique slice of Idaho history. Well, fast forward to current day, we're doing similar things with transplanting beavers into some areas where we'd like to see the the water table improved. 
and let beavers do their thing in some of these kind of remote drainages, and we're using satellites. Well, I shouldn't say we, but NASA is using their satellites to give us imagery so we can see how these things are taking effect on the landscape. So we've gone from parachuting beavers to satellite beavers. And this is a partnership between NASA and Boise State University and the Idaho Department of Fish and Game to rewild beavers to areas where they can be very beneficial to the habitat. And why don't you go ahead and explain, Roger, how beavers in establishing their dams and their ponds can actually be very helpful to other wildlife when they do this? Yeah, it's very interesting because beavers can be a real hassle in some areas and they can be a real benefit in other areas. And in both cases, they're just being beavers. But what happens is you have a stream going through. A lot of times it's not a perennial stream or a real small stream. Those beavers build a series of dams. They back up that water. You have more vegetation. You have more shade over that water. And it holds that water longer. You have that riparian area that takes place rather than that water in the spring from snowmelt flushing straight down through those watersheds, and then it's gone. This is a way to hold that water back a little bit longer and improve some of that habitat there for a lot of different things, including livestock and, you know, terrestrial just land animals, for lack of a better word. We see benefits to fish and a lot of other things. So in some places, that is a great way to go. And, you know, we have a lot of beavers around the state to start with. And so, like I say, in some areas, they're a problem. In other areas, they can be a real benefit, but beavers build dams. That's what they do. So where we need some dams built, we put them in there. And like I say, this is a joint effort with a lot of other partners. Last but not least, let's address your press release about pelicans. Very interesting story here. Pelicans back in the 60s and 70s, their population numbers crashed because of the use of pesticides and DDT. But like the bald eagles, which were also affected by DDT that has now been outlawed, both species have rebounded in a big way. And this is a great conservation success story. However, when it comes to pelicans, it does pose some problems for fisheries managers. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, it is. And this is something that, you know, again, it goes back to wildlife management in general. You have to have a healthy prey species to have a healthy predator species, and you have to keep those two things in balance. And so pelicans are ones we've seen these populations increase. They fly around to different places, but they also like to nest in certain areas. And there's some places where everything is fine and balanced, and there's other places where pelicans have come back to the point where they're harming some of our fisheries and some of those more threatened species like our cutthroat that we want to see healthier. So we've got to kind of manage those birds, and the way we do that is we discourage them, for lack of a better word, from nesting in certain areas, or we even cut off some of the nesting areas so that fewer birds are able to nest there. And quite often, they'll just go someplace else and nest where we can kind of sustain them. And so it is, it's one of those balancing acts that we're constantly doing. And pelicans are just another thing that we have to manage and kind of deal with in relation to our fisheries. So not something your average angler thinks about and shouldn't have to think about, but it's something that we have to think about. As always, there's a lot going on in the gem state when it comes to fisheries and wildlife and conservation. If you want to read more about the stories we've just shared and other ones too, just Google 
Idaho Department of Fish and Game. You'll get to their website in a hurry. Go to the About tab and then look for the Media tab and then click on the press releases and you, like me, will be in the know about what's going on in Idaho. Roger, always a pleasure, sir, to have you on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thanks, John. Always a pleasure to be here. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lure. You know what time it is, and with us from Max Lure is Bob Loomis. Bob, welcome aboard. Thank you, John. So, sockeye fisheries are open on the upper Columbia River. Why don't we go ahead and talk about a good setup for sockeye on the upper Columbia? Well, if you don't have a double D dodger and a cha-cha sockeye squitter, you might as well just go home. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, that, that. and that's the end of this max minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the the double D dodger is a fantastic tool for attracting fish, moving the squitter around, giving you a lot of movement and everything. And the uh, squitter with the smile blade on there, which obviously is ultra light and high UV with a high UV squid body, works absolutely phenomenal for the sockeye fishers up here on the Columbia River. You know and. As things start off, a lot of folks will fish below Wanapum Dam down in the south-central part of the river. Then you've got, obviously, right above Rocky Reach Dam is another good place to fish. And then you've got probably the most famous place, and that is around Brewster and the mouth of the Okanagan River. What's the drill for catching in terms of depth and everything else? Well, you know, the fish, they're on the surface down to about 20 feet predominantly as they come up the river. And they will hug the bank. All right. And last thing, colors. Hot pinks, glows, whites. You know, people overlook white. White with pink works very, very well. You know, silvers, different things like that that are attracting. And they, all of them seem to work very, very good. All right. Well, look for the Double D Dodger and the Cha-Cha Sockeye Squitter at Sporting Goods Stores near you. And if you can't find them there, look online at maxlure.com. Looking for that extra something that will get more salmon or trout into your boat? Then check out the Double D Dodger from Max Lure. The Double D does double duty and helps you catch more fish. The Double D's flash attracts lunkers and the Dodger's patented stop-start action works wonders to get those fish biting. The Double D does even more by acting as a side planer to get your bait away from the boat where the fish are more likely to be and more apt to strike. The Double D Dodger, it's the Dodger you've got to have from Max Lure. Hot summer nights mean hot morning fishing for sockeye here in the Northwest, and Max Lure Company has got what you need to catch a limit with the Double D Dodger and two great sockeye rigs. The Double D Dodger has a unique, fast, slow action and can be fished away from the boat without a side planer. The Cha-Cha Sockeye Rig and Double Whammy Sockeye Pro both feature a patented smile blade and two stout red hooks that won't let go of that salmon when it bites. Max Lure Company, getting you into the sockeye this summer. 
Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. I've got some bittersweet news to share with you. Lantani, the longtime president and CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, based in Missoula, Montana, is hanging it up. He is retiring at the end of July. And with us here to explain why is Land. Land, it's good to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's good to be back. Ten years is a long time to be in charge of a nonprofit like Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Why the decision to leave now? You know, I think that just time for change, I think, like fresh perspectives, I think both for myself and for the organization. You know, I've had the great pleasure of watching this organization grow from, you know, a thousand members to, you know, a community now that's grown all across the country and around 30,000 people of staff from one full time to 30 plus now. And so it's, you know, it's, it's been an amazing ride. I think for me, you know, I have a son who's 12 years old. I got a daughter who's 15. I see them leaving soon from my life, at least like at the daily routine at the house. And there's some of that. And I also, I like building stuff, and, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job together at Backcountry Hunters and Anglers doing that. I'm really excited to see what they do next, but, you know, I'm looking for the next adventure as well. Well, certainly done a great job filling the ranks of this organization. I remember I first met you back in 2014 at the Rendezvous in Spokane. And I remember telling people after that event that I felt like I was at a rocket launch site and watching BHA as that rocket on the launch pad preparing to take off to great heights. I remember that rendezvous, the excitement about BHA and its growth. I mean, it was palpable. I mean, you just felt it. And right after that, that rocket did indeed take off and you added thousands of members in a hurry. Why don't you talk a little bit about where BHA was when you joined the organization 10 years ago and some of the accomplishments you're most proud of that occurred during your tenure? You know, I think that the whole idea of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers started around a campfire. It really, you know, was a way to engage anybody on public lands and public waters that cared about conservation. And I think that, you know, when I first started, we had about a thousand members and it was all volunteers. You know, I had a high degree of respect for the organization, was an early member myself. And, you know, just that passion for the outdoors, that passion for conservation, and not just on one issue or at one banquet, like really through and through. So I think the base was there and I just had the opportunity to kind of throw a little gasoline on that fire that was already burning. And, you know, I think that our people answer the call every single time. And whether that was, you know, when Congressman Chaffetz proposed selling 3 million acres of public lands and our folks just stood up and said, hell no. And, you know, he pulled that bill back within a week. I had never seen that 
before that, and I've never seen it since. You know, I think the passage of the Land and Water Conservation Fund, our members made 6,000 phone calls in the last month alone. Like, they answered the call, and now we have, you know, in perpetuity, $900 million a year uh, for conservation and for access. And, and so that is just, like, answering the call, I would say, you know, from cleanups on the ground to latest wins around corner crossing in Wyoming. You know, the people every single time step up, and we just gave them a platform to do that. And, and that's probably what I'm most proud of is there's 700-plus volunteer leaders in our chapter system and our college club system and our armed forces initiative. And, like, those people are going to be the ones that are going to carry it forward and are already doing the good work. So, you know, it's the people, the people, the people, I would say. You know, something else that really stands out to me is not just the establishment, but the strength of the state chapters. And back in 2014, there was just a handful of states that had chapters. And now, are you up to all 50 states? You know, we've got two left, and they're both coming online. They should be online soon. The two states we don't have are Delaware and Hawaii. And uh, Hawaii is such a gigantic public land state. And then Delaware is surrounded by public lands and has public lands and waters themselves. So, you know, I think those two states will come on soon. But there's been a, this idea of backcountry. You can find that in Florida. You can find that in North Carolina. You can find that up in New York to, you know, Montana to Washington to Alaska. It is everywhere. And I think we've just tapped into that. I and mean, it's pretty exciting to see uh, people, you know, engage, I guess, at that level. Something else we should talk about is the fact that BHA is not just a national organization, it's an international organization with chapters in Canada as well. Are you looking to increase the number of chapters that are currently north of the border? Absolutely. We've got three chapters up there, that's in British Columbia, Alberta, and Northwest Territories, and you know, we've kind of put pause on growth up there because we've been waiting to get our official charity status in Canada. And, and so that is actually in the works. And so once that happens, our Canadian presence north of the border is going to really explode. The chapters in BC and Alberta in particular have just led the way. And it's these ideas of backcountry, of public lands, they may call them crown lands, but it's very similar to our system and unique to, you know, really the rest of the world. And so there's such a synergy, I would say, both south and north of the border. I would imagine whoever takes over your job, is going to pick up the phone and give you a call and have a conversation. And part of that conversation is going to be a question. And that question is likely going to be, Land, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing our organization in the next couple of years? And when he or she asks that question, what are you going to say? Yeah, and thank you for that, John. You know, I'm actually going to spend a week with the new CEO once they hire, <laughs> which I'm really looking forward to, and not to tell them, you know, kind of where the files are, but really to talk philosophy and kind of these bigger questions that you talk about. I think, you know, the apathy is still probably my number one thing facing just like conservation in general. People don't think their voice counts anymore, and, you know, they're exactly right if they don't use it, but I think apathy is going to be something that whoever takes over is going to have to deal with. I think that, you know, one of the things I'm most excited about is really some of the stewardship work that we've just started recently engaging in. And and so, you know, working to take down fences and migratory corridors, you know, planning the stage of brush out there on the ground, like repairing, you know, repairing zones. And so that work is really exciting to me. And then our Arkansas chapter just made our first purchase ever purchased a piece of private land. They got some access to public land. They quickly turned that over to the Arkansas Fishing Game. But that's the first. You can only be first once, but I think that there's going to be um, a lot more of that. You know, 
know, access continues to be one of the number one reasons why people give up hunting and fishing or really just getting outdoors. And so I think that access piece, thinking about places like Arkansas, thinking about places like Washington, Montana, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think this is just the first piece of that. Last question. What's next for you, Lantani? <laughs> well, you know, I've got a couple irons in the fire, and but I'm not going to jump into anything quick. I've uh, been hiring people now for 10 years, and I always tell them you know, when they're making that transition, just take some time to really be in between jobs. And so I'm going to take that advice myself. And I've got a 12-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter and a wife that we're going to have a lot of fun on our public lands and our public waters. And then, you know, we'll see what's next and we'll lead into that. And I think that for me, the last thing I would just say is that, you know, I love building things. I love like projects. And so, you know, I look forward to whatever that next, whatever that is that comes and still working with you, John. Well, and I look forward to that as well. And as we go, I definitely want to tell you that you have done one heck of a job as the president and CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers over the last 10 years. You've grown the organization. You've helped implement a number of new programs, and you've definitely left the organization in a better place than you found it. I look forward to seeing where you land next and working with you as well. And In the meantime, I wish you the best, and thank you on behalf of all of us at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallowa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallowa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million-dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness and fish or raft the Wallowa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallowa County. Plan your visit today at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got my old friend Brooks Hansen on the line. He's the PR man with Camp Chef, that Utah-based company that makes fantastic outdoors cooking equipment. And this week, we've got something very special to talk about. Brooks, welcome back to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to catch up. As I just mentioned a moment ago, you've got lots of stoves available at Camp Chef. Everything from stoves and grills for the back patio to two burner stoves that you can use on the, at the campground and a very special stove that is meant specifically for backpackers or maybe kayakers or traveling by car want to travel light. It's the Striker stove and it's very light. It's very compact. I'm a Big fan of it, personally. I've used mine quite a bit. And when it first came out, 
it actually had two different models. One was built for propane fuel, and the other one was built for isobutane, but now you've combined those, haven't you? It does. You know, we're one of the few manufacturers that have one that's a dual fuel where you can use isobutane or you can put the adapter on it and use propane. And the cool thing about that or the benefit is um, isobutane might not be as readily available. And like you said, if you're a car camper and you just have that stuffed under your back seat or you want to hurry and boil some water for some instant coffee or pour over coffee or maybe do a quick meal, you can grab like a one pound propane bottle pretty much anywhere in the country where it's a little harder to find isobutane. You're going to have to go to a sporting goods specialty store usually to find isobutane. I mean, it is a little more available than it used to be, but the benefit is, is you can do both. So depending on what you find in what area, you can do that. So the cool thing too is if you're going to be backpacking, then you're going to take isobutane and leave the adapter out to cut weight. If you just want to burn a cheaper, a more readily available fuel, you can keep a can of propane with it. So yeah, super versatile, cool little backpacking stove. Why don't you describe the Striker stove for our listeners? I know it starts off with the stand, and you put the fuel canister in the stand and then screw in that fuel source into the stove itself. Why don't you go ahead and go on from there? Pretty self-explanatory, like you mentioned. You start with the stand. The fuel goes into the stand, which holds and balances it. I will say with the propane tank, it's a lot taller, so you got to make sure you're on a good, stable, um, flat table or the ground is very stable, not on any hills, I should say flat. And then you've got a high pressure burner where you can boil water in about two minutes. And then the pot sits on top of that burner and that pot is your do-all pot, meaning it holds, I believe, a liter of water. And it's got a built-in handle and a built-in lid. And really, it's it's a great stove to boil water or, or heat water. Um, you're not going to do so much as like cooking like a, on a traditional camp stove where you're frying eggs. But we do have a pan with an adapter that you can fit in, on it. But most people are just getting the pot all in one unit. And they're doing water for, like I said, instant coffee, hot chocolate. Or they might be doing like a ramen noodle or any type of freeze-dried meals is what they're really great for. Another feature we should mention is the insulated sleeve on the pot, which is awfully handy, and the handle, which is handy as well for that pot. And I'll tell you what, I certainly used it not just for boiling up water for coffee, but for boiling up water to put into freeze-dried meals. I used it at Yellowstone National Park. I was there a couple of years ago in September, and I wanted to be on the road and I wanted to be on the go to see the wildlife. So I wasn't sticking around to make big meals. I would just flip open the tailgate and cook up some water and pour it into a bag of Mountain House, either bacon and egg meal or maybe something for dinner and eat my food. And off I'd go with binoculars and camera in hand. And it was just perfect for that. Something else we need to talk about is the screaming deal you have going on right now for Striker Stoves Online. As a matter of fact, if you go to CampChef.com and order a Striker Stove, use the promo code SAVE95. The Striker Stove retails for $150, but for a limited time, I understand you are actually taking $95 off the price tag and you can get a Striker Stove for just $55. Is that right, Brooks? Yeah, there's a really good deal right now on CampChef.com. You go to the Striker, it's the, the part number is the MS200, that's our 200 series, which is the dual fuel model. And at checkout, you put in that code, SAVE95, and you are doing that exact thing. You're saving $95 off retail. 
Folks, an incredible deal. We're talking not just 50% off, we're talking about two-thirds off here. It doesn't get much better than that. So again, go to CampChef.com, look for the Striker 200 series. It is the multi-fuel camp stove that's perfect for backpacking, kayaking, canoeing, or just having in the car or truck so you can cook up some coffee or a quick meal. The promo code again is SAVE95. That'll save you $95 off retail. You'll get the Striker for just $55 instead of the normal $150, and you will be very happy when you do. One thing I should mention, this stove, it cooks up water quick. I actually tested how long it took to cook up one cup of water. Not the whole pot, but just one cup of water. It was one minute. Couldn't believe it. It's an incredible stove for an incredible price, so don't miss out. Again, go to CampChef.com. Use the promo code SAVE95 and get your Striker Camp Stove today. Brooks, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. You bet. Thanks for having me on, John. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at Cena Sea Seafood and as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I just got back from a fantastic trip to Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska. The fish were definitely on the bite off of Prince of Wales Island. We came home with a whole bunch of halibut and true cod and salmon. But, you know, not everybody gets to go to Alaska every summer. I'm a lucky guy in that I get to do so. And if you can't make it up there, and if you are craving wild Alaskan seafood... All you have to do is go to SenaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A.com. And you'll find an entire selection of salmon and halibut and lingcod and more that they will package in meal-sized portions for you and deliver them right to your door. Wild-caught, sustainable fishing in the Gulf of Alaska provides you with a meal you won't forget. The website again, cnasea.com, and use the code OUTDOORSRADIO for 10% off your entire order. In other news, it's time for an update about my experience with CenturyLink. I'm getting quite a few emails on this and queries about it because it's literally been a month now since I have tried to install a phone line in my studio so I can do my show. And as you may recall, uh, CenturyLink has fallen short. And again, this is not the official opinion of any station you're listening to. I am merely relaying my experience. As you may recall, the first time they were supposed to show up, they didn't. They called 30 minutes before the end of the day and said it was too late and they weren't coming. So then they did show up a week later and they installed the phone line, but they botched it. And the phone didn't work. Localtel, our internet provider, at least got me a dial tone and let me know that CenturyLink didn't even plug in one of the phone jacks and the other one they didn't wire correctly. So I could at least receive phone calls. That's a start. But I still can't place phone calls. So on July 20th, they were supposed to come out again. And I didn't hear anything, and I called, and the little automated thing said, your repair ticket is in, somebody will be there by 5, and once again, a no-show. Not even a call this time, just a no-show. So I called CenturyLink, and they said, well, there's an outage in your area, and we canceled all the appointments. And I said, shouldn't somebody tell us that you're canceling the appointment? Yeah, we should have done that. That was our bad. And then they assured me that after the outage was complete, that my phone would be working, of which I had very little faith. And my faith was not misplaced, because when the outage was out, my phone was working just as bad as before. I still can't place calls, and the audio from the guests is good, but the audio 
from me talking to the guests is so bad that I literally will have a telephone conversation, a recorded one, and then I have to go back and listen to what I said and then record it again and cut and paste it into the bad audio. It essentially triples my prep time for each radio show. It has been a nightmare. So I called CenturyLink again, and they said, well, we'll go ahead and give you another appointment. So we shall see if they even show up this time, and if they do show up, whether they repair things. Again, it's your decision on what phone company you want to use, but for what it's worth, this has been my month-long saga with CenturyLink. So keep it in mind when you're looking for a phone company, if you have any ideas of phone companies. I can work with hardline phones. That's all that works for a radio show here in the Othello, Washington area. Please let me know. I'm literally begging for a working phone line here. Stick around. We've got more of the great outdoors coming up to include your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week and your chance to win a $25 gift card from America's Premier Outfitter. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. You'll find it all at Sportsman's Warehouse. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure 9 inches or longer. The fish are worth 6 8 or $10, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth 500 bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host, John Cruz. I'm glad you're back because it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, and we're going to give you a really easy one this time around. It's about the Beaver State. We were talking about beavers parachuting into the wildlands of Idaho recently, and I thought that we would talk about the state that is actually named the Beaver State. And that's your question. 
what state is it here in the Pacific Northwest that's known as the Beaver State? If you really need a hint, you can look no further than the mascot for Oregon State University, but I'm pretty sure you already know the answer. And if you do, you know what to do. Just go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com and shoot us an email and let us know what state is the Beaver State or Go to our Facebook page. If we have the post thread up, give us your answer there. Otherwise, shoot us a message and let us know what state here in the Northwest is known as the Beaver State. One lucky person who guesses right wins the $25 gift card we give away every week from Sportsman's Warehouse, which has all the gear you need to be successful for fishing, for hunting, or For other outdoors activities like hiking, camping, paddling, and backyard grilling too. Check it all out at a store near you. There's 130 plus of them around the nation and a lot of them are right here in the Pacific Northwest. On that note, it is time to go, but I hope you enjoyed our guests as much as I did today. I'm really glad I got to say a fond farewell to Lantani who's done such a great job. As the president and CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, it's always good to catch up with Roger Phillips from the Idaho Department of Fish and Game, and it's always good to catch up with Brooks Hansen as well. And if you're in the market for a camp stove, I hope you'll take advantage of that Save 95 deal they've got going for their striker stoves right now. Until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Outdoors.